Hello, and thank you for listening to this CD from River of Life Church. If you enjoy this disc, we want to encourage you to share it with a family member or friend. Also, visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For service times and directions, visit riveroflifefl.com. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Associate Pastor Dr. Bill Jenkins as he teaches from the Word of God. God said, if I be lifted up, I think you've lifted him up this morning. And uh, the rest of that verse goes, if I be lifted up, then I'll draw all men to me. And although I will be shooting this morning with a rifle at a specific target, the gospel is a shotgun gospel. And that means that whatever need you have, he's the answer. Whatever it might be, whether it's salvation, whether it's surrendering your life to a ministry, where it's coming and being set free from the chains that bind you, he is the answer. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for your prayers. We had a wonderful revival over in the uh, western part of our state. We thank God for all that you have done to support us in that ministry. And I thank my pastor for allowing me the privilege to come and to preach to you this morning. I know that you are looking forward to him being back in the pulpit next Sunday morning. Give God a hand right there. Amen. What an awesome, awesome thing it is. You've got your Bible this morning, if you will, please, for just a few moments. Uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 16. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 16. And I want to read a portion of Scripture there, uh, beginning in the 13th verse. But before we get there, uh, Brother Chuck and some others who have been so kind are going to put up some Scripture up on the board. And we're just going to read these. You don't have to turn there in your Bible. It will give you an idea of where we are going this morning. Uh, The first one is found over in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 30. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 30. And the scripture says, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Psalms 126, verse number 6. Again, the scripture says, He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, passage of scripture you ought to know by heart. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Have you got him this morning? You know, a lot of folks want the Holy Ghost for enjoyment so they can jump, fuse, and shout, and scream, and all that. I enjoy that. Now, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't impress me how high you can jump. What impresses me is how far you run when you hit the ground. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you for not enjoyment, but for employment. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost part of the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Can we say amen right there? Amen. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And unfortunately, most of us stop reading right there. What does the rest of the chapter say? 
all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. We were just singing about that. And then this, he hath given to us. Who is us? Those who have been saved. Those who have been saved. He has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ, next verse, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Listen to this. He hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Next verse, please. It's coming, believe me. I didn't give them this one, but it's the next one. It's coming. This is not taking away from my preaching time. I'm going to preach 20 minutes. There it goes. Let's go to the next verse, verse number 20. Now, say now. Now, not going to be in the future sometime. Now, because we are saved, because we are recipients of the Holy Spirit of God, now then we are the ambassadors for Christ. As God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Greg Laurie this last week came up with a new website on soul winning and that that's a passion that i've got i think that every born again child of god needs to be a soul winner but on that website and you can check this out greg lowry makes this statement 95 percent of those who say they are saved have never won another person to jesus christ what 95 percent of those sitting in churches like this this morning shouting, Woo, Jesus, come, come. Have never shared their testimony in such an extent that someone else has prayed and asked Christ to come into their life. I was reading a book 20 years ago now entitled The Forgotten Ministry of the Church. The Forgotten Ministry of the Church was... Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1, when you see a brother overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, go to one and, and restore him. And, and, and the connotation is literally the setting of a broken bone so that it's stronger than it was before. And the author of the book closed the book by making this statement, if restoring brethren is the forgotten ministry of the church, then soul winning must be the forsaken ministry of the church. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, you have it there in front of you, if you will, please. Jesus Christ has drawn his disciples to him. They're in a time of retreat. They're on the northern shore of, of the Sea of Galilee, a place called Caesarea Philippi. You'll see our reading beginning there in verse number 15, 13. And when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, the group, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And he said unto them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, but Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I will say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The first thing I would bring to your attention this morning is that if you and I are ever to be what the Bible tells us that we are supposed to be, the body of Christ. And by that I mean that we are His hands, we are His feet, we are His eyes, we are His mouth in this world. We are the body of Christ and we are to be speaking on behalf as His ambassadors to wit that as Christ was in the world reconciling the world unto Himself, He hath committed unto us that same ministry of reconciliation. If in fact we are to be about telling others about Jesus Christ we first and foremost must make sure that we know who Christ is. Listen to the statements that are given in this passage of Scripture. Jesus Christ gathering His closest followers, His disciples around Him. Caesarea Philippi, who do men say, I the Son of Man am? And with, with, with almost one voice they began to make consent. Well, some think that you are, are John the Baptist. You know, Herod thought that. Herod had had John the Baptist killed and he thought Jesus was John the Baptist resurrected to torment him. Somebody else says, well, well, no, they think that maybe you're Elias or Elijah because of the great miracles that you're doing. Surely you must have the power of God on you and you're, one, you're Elias and come back from the grave. And then others said, no, 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 you're, you're, you're Jeremiah because he was the weeping prophet he carried the burden of Israel upon his heart and he wept. And because of the tears you shed, Lord, they think you might be Jeremiah come back. And if not Elias or Jeremiah, you're one of the other prophets. And then Jesus narrowed the scope. And you can almost see the penetrating gaze of the Lord Jesus Christ as he looks not at the outward appearance of man, but at the heart. Because your Bible said in John chapter 2, he needeth not that any would testify of man, because he knows what's in man. And he knows what's in you this morning. And so Jesus looked at his disciples and says, but who do you say I the Son of Man am? Simon Peter, standing head and shoulders taller than all the rest on this particular occasion, said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon, but Jonah, flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock I will build my church. Simon Peter's name literally meant rock, but he wasn't talking about Simon Peter because Simon Peter's rock had a crack in it. Simon would deny their Lord three times. I'm glad we are not built on the wishy-washy sinking sand of a faith like Simon Peter's that's on one minute and off the next. Well, what is the rock? What is the boulder of Matthew chapter number 16? It is Simon Peter's profession, his statement. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You cannot make that statement unless he is your Lord. God has blessed me with a wonderful, wonderful wife for 43 years this past week. She has been putting up with me. Now, some of you ladies, you think you got a cross to bear. I can tell you all about how she loves me. 
I could tell you how she cooks for me, how she cleans for me. I could tell you how that she holds my hand when nobody else does. I can tell you how that she tells me I'm the best preacher she's ever heard, even though I know that's not true. I can tell you all about how she loves me, but you will never ever truly know how she loves me because that is something that must be experienced. Listen to me. You can read all of the books you want to. You can listen to all of the preachers preach about Jesus that you want to. You can listen. Hey, you can go and you can take classes on loving the Lord, but you will never ever love him and you will never be his witness until you know him personally. You must experience what he's done for you. Everyone's got a testimony and the world is waiting to hear what God has done for you. Dr. L.R. Scarborough, great, great man of God from 100 years or more ago, wrote a book on gospel messages. In the process of, of that, that writing, he tells the story of going to a little Louisiana town as an evangelist. And when he gets to this town, uh, the, the church was dead at 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon. I mean, it was just dead, and he preached his heart out, and nothing was happening, nothing was happening, nothing was happening. And after about two weeks of that, back then they used to have real revivals, now we have these Alka-Seltzer meetings, you know, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is when Wednesday night comes and we can go home. <laughs> Dr. Scarborough went to the pastor of the church and he says, is there anybody in this town lost? And the pastor says, well, I, I really don't know anybody right now. He said, I'm going to find somebody. He went out and he began to knock on doors and he began to talk to people about the Lord and, and he got down to the blacksmith uh, where they were shoeing horses and everything and there was no girl, a big strong guy and he's burly and everything and he's shoeing a mule and, and Dr. Scarborough started, said, I started to talk to him about the Lord but I thought I'd wait until he got finished with a mule. And then I talked to him about Jesus and he got saved. So Dr. Scarborough goes back to the church and uh, he tells the pastor, he said, hey pastor, he said, I found somebody that was lost. He said, you did? He said, yes, I did. He said, it's a blacksmith down there, and, uh, and he got saved. And he's coming to church tonight. Going to come down, going to give his life in front of everybody to the Lord, and going to be baptized. And the pastor said, he cannot do that. That's John Wakefield. John Wakefield shot and killed the husband of our pianist. He can't, he can't join this church. He cannot join this church. Dr. Scarborough said, well, he's coming. That night, sure enough, service started. John Wakefield walked from the back of the church to the front of the pew, front of the pews, and sat down on the very front pew. Everybody there was aghast. Everybody there was whispering, what is he doing here? What is he doing? What is he doing? The invitation is given. John Wakefield comes forward, turns around, faces the congregation. said, this afternoon I gave myself and my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's cleansed me of my sins. I've been forgiven and I want to join this fellowship. The pianist had been playing quietly. She stopped playing. She got up from the piano, walked around in front of the congregation, came to where big John Wakefield was, reached up and grabbed his big old face, pulled it down to hers and kissed him on the cheek, went back and sat down and started playing the piano again. After the service was over, people were coming to her, Mary, Mary, how in the world could you possibly have kissed the face of the man that killed your husband? She said, I didn't. That man died when Jesus Christ came into his life. 
That's salvation. That's the rock that we're built upon. That Jesus Christ has the ability to forgive us and to cleanse us and to equip us for ministry. The second thing that I would point out to you in this same 16th chapter, not only the infectious person that we must know, but if you'll notice down there in verse number 21 of this 16th chapter, the Bible says that Jesus Christ begins to talk to them. He says, from that time forth began Jesus to show his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. Wait a minute. You're Christ. You're the son of the living God. What are you talking about suffering? Why, why have you got to pay the price? Romans chapter 5, very familiar verse of Scripture. You know it as well as I do. The Bible says, but God commended, God sent forth, God gave, God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I love what John says, John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, look at it in all amazement. Behold. What manner of love is this that we <laughs> who are so vile and so wicked before Christ should be called the sons of God. But go further. Christ is exposing a great need. It is an infinite passion that if we're going to be soul winners, we have got to have. Christ was willing to go to the cross. Christ was willing to be beaten. Christ was willing to be spit upon, to be slapped, to have his beard plucked from his face. Christ was willing. He was never guilty. He was always willing to become a sacrifice so that men and women, boys and girls, might have eternal life. You remember 2 Corinthians chapter 5? As Christ was in the world, reconciling the world unto himself, he hath committed unto us this same ministry. But I don't like to suffer. I don't like it when people don't like me. I like everybody to like me. I don't want to... Why would people point at me and say, look at that, your little holy Joe? Why would, they put, why would they put me out of their group just because I want to talk about Jesus? Why must I suffer? Why must I lose my friends? Why must I be hated by many? Because I'm a Christian. Jesus said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. In fact, he goes so far to say in John's Gospel, the 16th chapter, I believe it's verse number 33, he said, in this world you shall suffer tribulation. Whoa, isn't that a blessing? Amen. <laughs> well, put that out on the church sign. We won't be able to keep them out. Come join us Sunday for tribulation. <laughs> Suffering. It's like the old sign they used to put all over the blacksmith shop. All manner of twisting and turning done here. Oh, you can't beat them off. Oh no, Jesus is telling you why that 95% of Christians never win another soul to Christ. 
because there's some suffering that has to be involved. You must be willing to pay the price. Listen to the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I die daily. Listen to him again, Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to die for me. Listen to him, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, I beg you, therefore brethren. Who's he talking to? Brethren. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Don't let the world steal your time. Don't let the world mold you and make you into their image. You be different, but I don't like being different. People point at me, and they, they make fun of me when I'm And upon this rock of suffering and your willingness to give and your willingness to go, I will build my church. It wasn't always easy being the Apostle Paul. There were a a lot of times I think that when Paul went into a town, he didn't go to the Ramada, the Holiday Inn. He just went by the jail to check it out because he knew sooner or later he was going to be right here. (laughs) On one particular occasion, Acts, the 16th chapter. He's been taken and he's been beaten. The jailer who got his job because he was the meanest of the crowd had taken his pains with the back of Paul and Silas and the cat of nine tails. And they were beaten and they were bruised and they were broken. And yet the word of God says in the midnight hour, he sits there with his hands and his feet in the stocks. They're in the inner prison, the inner, the third. Can't you even see the rats and the cockroaches as they run across their feet? And Paul and Silas began to sing. And the Bible says, if I be lifted up. And the prisoners began to hear them. And God heard them. I believe God clapped his hands. Because the Bible says there was an earthquake. And the bonds of all the prisoners were loosed. There's a sermon right there. And the jailer came in. And he's about to kill himself. The very one who who had beaten Paul and Silas bloody. And Paul said, Sir, do thyself no harm. We are all here. And the jailer called for light. He did not know what he was asking. And he came into where they were and he fell down before him. It's the only place in all of the New Testament where the question is asked just like this. Acts 16, verse number 30. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Acts 16 and verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Wait a minute, wait a minute. And thy 
house. How did they know his family was going to get saved? Because if you get Jesus, you ain't going to keep him to yourself. I mean, if he really shows up and he gets in, oh, no, dear friend, you're not going to keep this quiet. Oh, Dr. Reuben Fields, the great black preacher uh, from the Southern Baptist Convention, now dead and gone on to be with the Lord, was preaching at the convention out in Houston, Texas, and sharing his personal testimony. He said that as a little boy, he would go over where the white folks were having church. And back then, in those days, the black folks couldn't go in with the white folks. I'm glad all that's over. And, and the Bible says, and, and the story goes that as they were having church, they would leave the windows open, and Reuben Fields and all the others from the field hand, but they would be standing outside of the, the church, and they were listening to the preaching, and they were listening to the singing, and God began to move, and the next day they're out there in the cotton field, and, the, and they're, cop, they're chopping down the cotton, I mean the, the weeds and everything out of the cotton. And Reuben says to his mama, Mama, I'm going to get saved Sunday. Immediately, Mama dropped her hoe. She walked to where Reuben was and said, what did you say? He said, Mama, I've been going to church over there at night. I've been listening to what that preacher said. I've been hearing those songs. And said, I really need Jesus. I'm going to get saved this Sunday. And Reuben's mama said, now, child, you don't have to wait till Sunday. You can get saved right now. But Mama, I, I, I want to do it in front of everybody. She said, honey. Let's just me and you go ahead and get this settled. You don't tell nobody, and we'll tell everybody Sunday. All right, sounds good. Dr. Reuben Fields said he got down in that row with his mama, and they began to pray, and suddenly the Holy Ghost showed up. He got saved, and before they knew it, they had done stomped down three rows of cotton. <laughs> Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to be ostracized as Christ was? Are you willing to give up your time and your treasures and your talents so that men and women, boys and girls, can be saved? Preacher, is it that important? Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 15. The Bible says, And whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life, was taken and cast into the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. Eternally separated from God. And the only person that can tell them how to miss hell is you. Oh, God, God could have commissioned the stars to flash it out every night. He could have commissioned the, blue, the birds to sing it every morning. He could have done that, but he didn't. God said, my plan is for those who know me, who have been enlightened, who have tasted of the heavenly gift, and have been partakers of the Holy Spirit of God. It is my plan to use those who I've saved to tell others so that they may be saved also. So who have you told lately? about what he's done for you. There's a third thing here, and my time is quickly gone. Not only the infectious person that we must meet and the, inspire, the, the, the tremendous burden that we must carry as soul winners, this infinite passion that we must have, but thirdly, in this passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 16, verses 27 and 8, 28, there is the inspiring possibility that is assured. Let me read it for you. For the Son of Man 
shall come in the glory of his Father with the angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But if he came this very moment, as all of us are praying that he would, there would be many who would be left behind. There would be those, perhaps our loved ones, family members. There would be those neighbors that we talk to every day when we walk the dog, when we cut the grass. There would be those that we enjoy spending time with, that we play golf with, that we fish with, that we shop with. Help us, Lord Jesus. But because we don't want to push in upon their lives, because it makes them uncomfortable when we talk about our Jesus, we just don't say anything. And if the Lord were to come right now, they would be lost for eternity. Your Bible says in Matthew's Gospel, the 16th chapter, that when Jesus comes, he's coming for a, bringing a reward. Daniel chapter 12, verse number 3, the Bible says, And they that be wise shall shine as brightness of the permanent, and they that turn many to righteousness, they will shine as the stars forever and ever. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 4, one of the verses the ladies had at their uh, meeting this last weekend, tremendous meeting, by the way, from all accounts I've heard. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 4, be always ready to give an account of the hope that is within you. What is your hope? What is there within you that you can share with anybody? that they will be saved for all eternity. George W. Truitt, pastor of the great First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, before W.A. Criswell. He was sitting there looking at his congregation of several hundred. They were singing the benediction, rescue the perishing, care for the dying, save them from sin, from pity in the grave. And his heart was so moved that he jumped from off of the pulpit and went out and started grabbing people and pushing them toward the door, pushing them toward the door, telling them, go get them, go get them, rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them, until he grabbed a deacon. This is his own account. And he pushed him toward the door, and the deacon said, oh, Dr. Truitt, it's just a song. Just a song. John Bunyan wrote this. He said, Lord, keep me from being a painted fireplace with no warmth, a painted tree with no fruit. He's coming. He's coming. Charles Luther wrote this. Must I go in empty-handed? Must I meet my Savior's soul? Not one soul with which to greet him. Must I empty-handed go? 
The old missionary song written over a hundred years ago by Albert Simpson says this, a hundred thousand souls a day are passing one by one away in Christless guilt and gloom without one ray of hope or light with future dark as endless night. They're passing to their doom. They're passing to their doom. And you and I are the answer. And so I conclude this message by inviting you to come to my class on Sunday mornings at 9.50 where I'll teach you how to be a soul winner and by asking you two questions the first question is this how long since you won anybody to Christ how many years you've been saved how long since you won anybody to Christ my second question is this very simple How long since you tried? How long since you tried to tell anybody else about what Jesus has done for you? In just a moment, we'll give an invitation. Our pastor will be here at the front. Very pointed message this morning about soul winning because you were needed. You said, preacher, I can't sing, I can't preach. That's not my giftedness. No, but everybody in this building that's truly born again by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, according to the promise of the Word of God, has a story to tell. And you need to be telling that story. And it may very well be this morning that during this time of invitation, you want to come find you a place at this altar. And you want to confess, Lord... I have allowed this world to take up so much of my time that I'm not witnessing for you. It may be that you want to confess this morning, Lord, I have become so preoccupied with this temporal world that I'm not preparing for the eternal world when I'll meet you face to face. It may be this morning that you'll want to come and find a place here at this altar and say, God, if I can't do anything else, make me a soul winner. Make me a soul winner. Let me lead others to you. Would you stand with us? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.